I became selectively mute for a while and my teacher um, in most of our art lessons would encourage me to to paint. And in doing that, I realized I really enjoyed painting. And I also found it easier to explain how I felt through paint than I did in words because I wasn't using words. Um, it was a lot easier for me to put red paint onto a page if I was feeling a bit angry or, you know, green and orange paint if I was feeling a bit upbeat and happier. And it was just an easy way to communicate with those around me in school. And then as I kind of got older, I just found it soothing. What is up, everybody? This is Matilda Aguera-Cooper, and you're listening to Finesse Your Wellness, the podcast that explores what it means to thrive and live well. Now, before the pandemic struck, I actually organized a paint and sit party for my wellness and fitness community, Flygo Collective. And not only did it sell out, but it sold out immediately. Like, I don't know what has happened in London, but no matter where you turn, there are paint and sips and people are rushing to them. Now, for me, the reason why I decided to do one was for two reasons. Number one, I think I saw it like on an episode of Insecure and it looked kind of fly. (laughs) And secondly, I just thought a paint and sip would be such a wonderful, relaxing and mindful thing to do, not only with others, but kind of in a way to sort of connect with yourself, you know, like like therapy, right? So on today's episode, I'm chatting to someone who's kind of discovered that very thing, that connection between art and mindfulness. Sabina Silver is a talented artist who explores the themes of identity, belonging and empowerment through her creative expressions. Beyond her artwork, she's also the visionary behind Brush and Balance, a series of mindful art events that presents art as a powerful tool for self-discovery, inner peace, and healing. In our conversation, we explore the idea of art and mindfulness and how a creative outlet could be the secret to becoming the best version of yourself. Enjoy. Welcome to the Finesse Your Wellness Podcast, Savina. It is so great to have you here. Thank you so much. <laughs> Aww. Well, um, people may not know this, but I spend a lot of time on the gram. Maybe they do know that. Maybe they assume. (laughs) But in any case, I came across you one of my sort of late night evenings kind of scrolling, seeing what was out there. And I think somebody had shared that they had been to one of your your paint and sip events. And I just thought, oh, first of all, didn't know this was happening in London. Second of all, this looks like a whole vibe. And we're going to get into those shortly. But just to kick off, I want to learn more about you and your story and more so how you became an artist. So yeah, starter, start a question. How did you find art or more so how did art find you? Sure thing. Um, thank you so much again for having me. Um, I'm really excited to share more about myself and art as a whole, I think lots of people want to be involved in art, but it's kind of a scary thing if you're not really sure, yeah. you know, how to approach it and what, what you ought to do. Um, for me, I came into contact with art in a very unique way. I came into contact with it because of my anxiety. <laughs> so um, I was born and raised in Ghana. And um, at the age of 10, I came to the UK. And that whole transition process of coming to the UK was quite traumatic for me. I didn't adjust. and um, yeah, I'm, I'm not quite sure what exactly triggered that whole kind of process to be so traumatic for me. But I just remember the food was really different. It was really cold <sighs> when we got here. Um, we didn't really speak about it, me and my parents. So it was literally one day I'm in Kamasi 
having, you know, fufu and light soup. <laughs> and then the next day, Living your best life, I'm sure. <laughs> next thing I know, I'm in, I'm in London and it's, you know, cold and I'm feeling really alienated from both my parents, mm. you know, not feeling involved in that process, but also from British culture because I didn't really know anything about it and I wasn't prepared at all. So I found it incredibly traumatic and I became selectively mute for about a year wow. um, in that process, which I think in hindsight, I completely understand why I became like that. But at that age, I just, I just thought I was just terrified of everything. I was anxious. I was shaky. I wouldn't speak to anyone apart from my immediate family and friends. So that would be my siblings and my parents. So you didn't talk at school? Not at all. I would, I would wow. kind of say like one word if I was absolutely forced to, mm-hmm. but it, it would, it felt like, oh, the pit of my stomach and, you know, the world was going to end. It, it, to actually speak to anybody was, was terrifying. And it, it, it's actually quite hard to explain now as an adult because I'm so far removed from it. But at that age, it was the scariest thing you could imagine for me. And I think I was worrying about, oh, did I, do I have an accent? Are people going to laugh at me when I speak? And mm. you know, all these things that now I'm like, ah, oh, babe, <laughs> you're yeah. going through it. And you just needed to really kind of heal from that. But um, yeah, because yeah. age 10 is like, those are, those are the formative years. Like I moved to the UK when I was like 11 going on 12 and I, you know, I literally remember it like it was yesterday. And it means similar to you. It was like, why am I here? What is this? Yeah. <laughs> I was in Texas. It was hot. <laughs> I saw my people. Where am I? You know, and I moved to Birmingham, which is a whole like another story. But so I totally get it. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, I became selectively mute for a while and my teacher, um, and most of our art lessons would encourage me to to paint. And in doing that, I realized I really enjoyed painting. And I also found it easier to explain how I felt through paint than I did in words because I wasn't using words. Um, it was a lot easier for me to put red paint onto a page if I was feeling a bit angry or, you know, green and orange paint if I was feeling a bit upbeat and happier. And it was just an easy way to communicate with those around me in school. And then as I kind of got older, I just found it soothing something Mm. I did. And I think that memory of me being a child and really struggling and then finding art as a way to communicate never left me. So it just became something that I did as, as the years went on. Whenever I'd feel stressed, I would just go back to painting. If I was feeling anxious about something, I'd go back to painting and it became that safe space that I, I think I needed. Yeah. And so obviously you're at school, your teacher introduces you to to painting. You very much use it as a tool. Yeah. Was it at that stage that you wanted to then become an artist? Oh, not at all. Um, I don't think I wanted to become an artist. That was not, that was not on my, on my kind of cue card of, of what I was going to do when I was older. I think for me, I've always been interested in many things. Um, and growing up in an African household, um, I, I didn't think I could become an artist. It, it, mm. It's not something that you see a lot of. And now that I'm actually in the art world, I can understand why young people would also, you know, not see themselves and think oh, I, I can become an artist because we don't see enough um, artists right. from my background, uh, artists that are black, artists that are women, um, and so, yeah, I, I didn't even imagine it was possible for me to be me. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it's actually quite amazing that I'm living um, in this way. I, I think if anything, um, the more I practiced art and the more that I engaged with others through art, the more I realized there is a space for me in this place. 
Um, and even if there isn't, I'm going to create that space because I enjoy being here and I deserve to be here. And um, there's something really warming in it. And I, I find it really freeing. And so, yeah, that's kind of, I think I became an, an artist on accident <laughs> because I didn't plan for it. It wasn't something that, that I thought I could be. Mm. So then what stage in your life did you decide to take the leap? Because what were you doing then before you became an artist? Mm. So um, I did many things uh, <laughs> like lots of us. We we just kind of jump jobs. You, you do what you have to to get by. But um, mm. I studied um, international relations and history at uni because oh. I know. <laughs> That's not already. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. Uh, and, and funny enough, the main reason I studied um, that subject was because I did study art uh, at um, college level and I got a D, which is a really bad grade, of course. Uh, oh, yeah. Why do you think you got a D? So I actually know why I got a D. So the reason, oh, okay. and, and I and I think I, I always argue with people about this, but the reason I got a D is because I was brilliant at the painting and the creating aspect. But when it, again, when it came down to the language involved mm. in, in explaining the work and, you know, using theology, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Um, and I really struggled to do it. And so even though my painting and, you know, the kind of natural skills were all there when it came to language and not having a grasp on it, that's what let me down. And so, again, that reminded me that those who have a grasp on on the English language um, kind of thrive in a way that those who, who struggle don't. Um, mm. and, and again, I think that's why I'm so keen to make art accessible to everyone because not everyone is great with, with language, especially if you're, if you speak multiple languages, I speak three. Okay. <laughs> so it's hard to sometimes, you know, focus on English alone because I'm trying to think of a word in English and I can't remember. I'm just thinking mm-hmm. of it in tree or I'm thinking of it in my village language. You know, it's, it's, mm. um, it's an interesting thing I think for people to consider, but yeah, that's the main reason I did politics and history and as soon as I graduated, I worked with nonprofits, worked in the third sector, traveled, lived in Tanzania. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> As you do. How long were you in Tanzania for? I know like someone from Tanzania and it's, it's getting very rare. So I mean, how long were you out there for? I was out there for three months. I was doing okay, research-based cool. work. So because I worked in nonprofits, a lot of the stuff that you would, or a lot of the organizations that you'd work for is either, you know, kind of human rights or women's rights or you know, children's rights, that sort of thing. And, and mm. I found that really fulfilling. I really enjoyed it. Um, but of course it has its stresses, I should say, mm. um, that I quickly encountered because I went in there thinking, you know, I'm going to save people and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And actually the realities of, you know, doing certain jobs um, really kicked in and, and I found it anxiety inducing. Um, mm. And also there was lots of speaking involved, which again, kind of brought back that little girl in me who was like, oh, I don't want to talk. <laughs> I just no. want to shrivel up and hide. Um, and again, so I, I had to use art, you know, through all that that kind of process in my life to soothe all those moments where I felt really anxious and didn't really know how to, how to kind of get through those moments. Mm. So then you've now decided to take the leap as an artist. Um, how then do we get from just creating art, probably commercially, to now wanting to spread it and spread the love to others so they can engage with it too? Yeah, no, that's that's a great question. Um, so the idea actually came about because lots of my friends would see the paintings that I had done and just would say to me, why don't you have one at your house? You want to come over? 
Um, oh. Yeah, so it kind of just started out as, as people wanting to be part of the process of me painting. So people that I'm close to wanting to come over, you know, just paint, see how they feel. And so I had a few friends over, you know, here and there and, you know, I would just be somewhere painting in the, in the hall and they'd also be sat somewhere painting, but also working at the oh. same time. <laughs> so it was a very, very kind of like funny environment because we were all working together, but it was different kinds of work, but it was still, you know, super fun. And I remember. Were they artists as well or were they oh, just not like. Not at all. Not at all. Oh. I'm like, I would say, I think I'm the only quotation mark artist friend in my immediate friendship group. Everyone else is a videographer or photographer. So it's still in the creative sector, but, mm. you know, doing different things. You know, some people work in education, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it, maybe it's because I posted a lot about the art journey and it looked really mm. fun. I hope so. <laughs> uh, but yeah, lots of people wanted to to kind of be involved in that process. And so in trialing that with my friends and seeing the impact um, it, it had on them, especially because whenever I have sessions with people around me, I always ask for them to to talk about it. Um, Mm -hmm. as someone who hates speaking and, you know, doesn't really want to speak a lot of the time, I realized that even if you don't want to do it, um, there is a power in speaking about what you've been through and there is a connection Mm. that is built when you share and sharing is incredibly important. Um, and so when I'd have these sessions, I would obviously, even if I had known my friends for years, I would still ask for them to share. Of course, there's no pressure if you don't want to, but most of them would would share why they painted certain things and chose certain colors. And at the start of each session, most people would say, oh, you know, I can't paint. Oh, I'm not an artist. Like I'll draw, blah, 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 blah. Everyone says this. And the minute they start painting and they finish, I'm always so just amazed by the things that they create because only they could have created that. Your work doesn't mm-hmm. need to be Picasso or, or like Van Gogh. It just needs to be you. Um, and so, yeah, I loved it. I loved it so much. I thought, why not? make this into a proper thing you know why not turn this into a workshop where it's mindfully focused it's not about us getting drunk especially in a culture where we always go to sipping paints but the only sipping available is alcohol Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. you know kind of drunk and you're having a good time with your girls and again there's nothing wrong with that at all um I've gone to many sipping paints but I, I think as a culture there does need to be a point where we look at things and think how come every sipping paint is actually a sip and paint like how come there aren't many options when it comes to going to I don't know a, a painting class or going to this or going to that mm. um, and also I think for me I wanted to create a safe space to bond as well so yeah I had to think about it and thought you know I want to be the first one to do that if if I'm having trouble finding this I'm sure I can't be the only one so I created it and so I created brush and balance which is um, a mindful art workshop where we paint and we sip tea and we meditate. So I love it. Mm. <laughs> I mean, firstly, just being the change that you want to see, I think that's definitely what stood out for me because as you said, there aren't, if any, um, initiatives like what you're doing. Mm. Um, the other thing I wanted to touch on was, you know, it's it's widely regarded that creative outlets are so good for our mental health. Yeah. It is interesting though, because with, traditional paint and sips we there's obviously a degree of escapism there but Mm. the escapism that it's sort of perpetuating isn't necessarily the best thing right because Mm -hmm. it's good to kind of have a fun time and a good time but it may not necessarily resolve issues and I think it's so fascinating that you're like 
yo, we gonna get real. <laughs> like, we gonna paint. <laughs> we gonna share. We gonna touch, talk about our feelings. We gonna get vulnerable. Absolutely. So, what has that actually been like? Because having lived in the UK for quite a long time now, yeah, you know, we're not the most open. <laughs> People are not the most vulnerable. So, what's yeah. that been like, kind of managing? Um. I'm I'm actually really glad you mentioned that because yeah, it's a very British thing to not talk about anything. You don't mm-hmm. make eye contact with anyone when you go out. When you when you get on public transport, you avoid contact at all costs. Headphones are in, you don't want to talk about anything. So I completely get that. Um and when it comes to my workshops, I I always try and make it a safe space and I always communicate to people, you know, why I started the classes and also my kind of backstory of um, selective mutism so that they don't feel any pressure to to speak about certain things if they find it too traumatic. However, I also emphasize the importance of sharing and the importance of community. Um, and so I think with the aid of the, the, the calming teas, which I also have, I always have tea, you know, on site um, and some of the introductions and um some of the, uh, what's the word? The words have left me, but we do, we do some warm ups to get people comfortable. Um, then, and then we kind of get into it. But generally speaking, every single person who's come to my class, I find they are way more gracious and way, way more open than I would ever hope for. Um, mm. they always are just so kind. And I honestly, I'm genuinely blown away by it, not just because it's my space, but because they don't owe, owe that to anyone. They don't mm. owe it to the class to share, you know, their story as it is, but they always do. And I always leave feeling like it's an exchange, you know, as much as I'm giving my expertise, I'm also learning so much about how much compassion I need to have mm. for other people and, and what, you know, the fact that everyone has a story, even if, if you don't know what that story looks like or sounds like. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, it's always a session that everybody feels comfortable and feels open in, but there is absolutely no pressure to be, you know, to be completely bare if you don't, if you don't feel it. I think everyone has to get to that place on their own and the sessions are just meant to facilitate that process. Mm. And do you have like any memories of like success stories or transformations um, that have been experienced by people who've come to your workshops? Yeah. Oh my God. That's a great question. So I think um, a a memory that really stands out for me is a recent session I had. um, And I remember, you know, it was going fine. It was a normal session, you know, nothing exceptional um, in, in that sense until I think we got to the end of the session and everybody was sharing their experiences and, you know, what they what they had painted and why they had painted it and the colors and, you know, all these amazing things. And there was a girl who was, she was super friendly the whole session, super kind the whole session, you know, really engaged. And as the session ended, she, she just started crying as she started yeah. talking about her painting. And, you know, I, I, I was kind of waiting to kind of see if she needed to be comforted because some people also don't like touch. So there's, there's a lot of gauging what needs to be done in certain moments. Right. Um, and, you know, she was speaking, she said the reason she was crying is because she had just felt really lonely and mm. she hadn't actually had community or been in the midst of other women in, in ages or other black women in ages. And so being in, in community and also hearing everybody share different things, because, you know, for me, I, I talked about how 
there were certain points after I finished uni that I was completely unemployed and had kind of nothing really going for me. I was just figuring things out and she had just finished uni and was just really worried about things and just seeing, you know, how I was getting on with life and how the other women and other, you know, people in the session were getting on. It just really inspired her. And, and I remember kind of just um, speaking to her afterwards and, you know, we hugged and everybody was just so supportive and so kind to her. And, and funny enough, there were people in the session who had opportunities at their workplaces and, and, you know, would exchange it with her at the end. And I just thought to myself, like, this is what it's about. If you, if, you know, closed mouths don't get fed, if you don't, no one knows what you need. No one knows what you want. No one knows there's a gap, you know, Um, and in her just opening up, there was room for all of us to give her kind of an emotional hug of sense, you know, not always physical, but kind of just, just crowding her and giving her that love that that was needed. Um, So yeah, that really, really touched me because sometimes, you know, it, do, it does get hard because I do the sessions by myself. I don't, you know, have anyone supporting me on the day. And sometimes I'm like, oh, this feels overwhelming. Um, and so I've, I've got to take time to also drink some tea and meditate myself. Mm. Uh, you know, once it's, it's kind of all said and done, I think, ah, okay. The purpose has been, has come back to my mind. I know exactly why I'm doing this. And this is why I do this. Oh, that is really heartwarming to hear because it kind of reminds me why I decided to start Fly Girl Collective because London can be such a lonely place and it's also easy to kind of underestimate that the spaces that we make, especially for us as women, can be so touching and impactful. And Mm -hmm. so firstly, big up yourself. If nobody has bigged you up, me, I'm bigging you up. Thank you so much. Yeah. Big up yourself. My God, fly girl for real. I'm trying. I'm trying. Fly girl for real. Yeah. I'm trying. So obviously what you do is very much in the context of art. And I mean... I don't, I don't hate art. In fact, I love art as in I love exhibitions. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is the whole thing of, it's like when someone puts a canvas in front of me mm. and it's like, right, here's a paintbrush. Now go. And it's just like, oh. like, I think I just go back to like that time in my childhood where I'm in art class mm. and you look to your left and you mm. see that girl that can just draw horses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like, like yeah. to to photorealism accuracy and there's me with my stick figures and you know thank god for like surrealists later in life because I'm like oh great I'm like them but (laughs) you know if you don't kind of have like that natural skill like how can people feel comfortable embracing it because naturally you think okay wait a minute there are people who are really good at this I, I can't compare like you know how can people get over that hump of insecurity as it were. No, I completely, completely understand. Um, and yeah, people, like I said, people always say this when they come to my sessions or right at the start, I'll get at least five people who would say, Oh, I can't paint. I, you know, I'm the worst. And, you know, they'll say all these things. And I always say, we, we don't, we don't have negative self-talk in this class. Sorry, mm. <laughs> not allowed. We don't say those things here. Maybe you may think it, but actually speaking about yourself and, and knowing that, a lot of the artists that, you know, are in the art world, a lot of people didn't think their work was good if we want to kind of you know, talk about mm. art as a whole. And I always say to people, like, there are so many different artists in the art world whose works people don't like. They're still artists. Mm. It doesn't matter if people like your work or not. The work is... And I guess it's not even about that, right? It's exactly. not about the perfection. Exactly. That, that is, you know, that's something that you shouldn't even be thinking about. When I create works, I always know this. Sometimes I can create, a, you know, a body of work, put it out there, 
I can get loads of comments, you know, loads of likes. And then sometimes I'll, I'll post about work and crickets. <laughs> and when that happens, I'm like, you know what? That's okay because I made this work because I wanted to. Because mm-hmm. I wanted to. It doesn't And sometimes you make work and you just don't show it. And, and that's okay too. So when people come into my workshops, I always, one, say two things. I have unguided workshops and I have guided workshops. So the guided okay. workshops are, you know, kind of like the normal structure of sip and paints where you follow um, the artist as they take you through step by step. Um, and so I'll take you from, you know, what brushes to use, what colors we're using to, you know, or, you know, what techniques to use to get through it for those are, you know, super like worried and not really sure what to do, but they still want to attend a class. I have that available, but I also have free flowing classes. And to be fair, those are my favorite classes because mm. those are the sessions that it's not about being a perfect artist and it's not about painting something that I, I have painted and replicating that. It's about you creating a masterpiece of your own in, in, in your own story. Um, and so in those sessions, the prompts that I give are more so me coming around the class, walking around and helping people with painting technical things they need help with. So if someone is, you know, um, painting something based on a prompt that was in the meditation um, aspect of the class, so let's say they're painting a tree because a tree is a prominent part of their story. And they're asking me, oh, you know, Spina, how do I paint a tree? I could absolutely help you with that. We can kind of go through it and I can show you, you know, about layering and the depth of the leaves and, you know, branches and all these things. And when the work is finished, it's still going to be your own. I just helped with particular aspects of it, you know, some more kind of technical and logistical aspects of it. But it's not about creating work that's perfect. It's about creating work that belongs to you and, reflects you and your and your kind of in your being so yeah I, I, I'm I'm if anything I actually love abstract work even more I prefer it even though I'm more like a contemporary portrait artist mm-hmm. a lot of the work that I personally enjoy is abstract work because everybody looks at it and everybody says something completely different mm. and I just love that conversation of, of showing somebody a body of work and them going I can see my granddad in that. And then someone's going, no, it looks like a bed. <laughs> You're like, well, okay, <laughs> let's talk about it. You know? So yeah, it's all about um, people feeling comfortable and confident. But I think the main thing is if, if people feel confident in the sessions, mm-hmm. um, they are usually quite, um, quite open to trying out, you know, different brush techniques. And of course, um, having me, I think helps you know, we're, we're feeling confident because they know that I'm there to support them in that process. And so most people, even if they're worried, they can't paint, they will still create something that blows, you know, whatever I even imagine out of the water. Mm. And earlier you mentioned like some of the mindfulness techniques that you employ, like um, meditation, there's calming tea. Yes. Um, what other things or techniques do you sort of incorporate into your sessions? Sure thing. So um, in the sessions, what usually happens is um, we, we have tea on the side. So the tea that we usually have will be tea that I personally have sourced. So it's either lemongrass and chamomile or ginger and and um, lemon, or, you know, something that's really soothing and calming. Um, and we would have a meditation session. So usually we drink the tea first, but then the tea is, I always say bottomless tea in the same way people always say, you know, bottomless Prosecco. Mm. We have bottomless tea in the sessions, you know, so the tea is always available and you can top up and drink and, you know, calm your, your soul while you're working through your painting. Um, but before we start painting, we have to do a meditation session. Um, I 
can't emphasize enough the importance of taking a few minutes to meditate. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for a lot of people, the day just runs with us. And before you know it, you know, you're just stressed. Day has ended. You're going to bed, but you're thinking about tomorrow. You, you right. really can take in a moment to, to really just be present. And, you know, the fact that, oh, you know, well, I'm actually on my bed and I really enjoy this bed. And today has been a good day. You're just thinking about all your to-do lists for tomorrow. So I always have a meditation session. And the aim of that, of that, <clears throat> of that meditation session is just to have everybody slow down. No mm-hmm. matter where you came from, like some people come straight from work. Some people are I don't know, going to work after the session. It's just about slowing down and being present and also being grateful um, and showing a lot of love for yourself. So I always choose which meditation we're going to do, but the one that I love the most is is a, is a self-love meditation that we do where you're showing yourself a lot of compassion because I think a lot of us are actually really mean to ourselves. Mm-hmm. If we to say some of the things that we said to ourselves, to our friends, we would not have any friends. <laughs> and so <laughs> the aim of, of that meditation is just to remind us to be so compassionate to ourselves in our day to day and also to just be, be present in, in kind of watching the way that we speak to ourselves and, you know, why we speak to ourselves in certain ways. And so, yeah, in, in being present, I find that that's actually always a good prompt for what you then paint in the free, free flowing class. Because if we did a a session on self-love and you find that, you know, you actually really struggled with saying, saying certain things or certain or accepting certain things in your heart that might play a big role in what colors you use. Mm. Um, and unless you explain certain things at the end, we will never know why you chose those colors. We will never know why you chose to put stars and moons and, you know, maybe painted a dove, you know, it's, it's what makes the work incredible. Um, but yeah. Mm. It's, I mean, it sounds soothing just listening to it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and you know, kind of, before we wrap, I'm curious to know, as a young Black British artist, yeah. what sort of message or inspiration do you want to leave listeners about the power of kind of art and mindfulness? Yeah, amazing. Um, there's so much I could say and I don't even know where to start. I think I think the first and most important thing is your, your well-being is the most important thing right now in this moment where you are as you listen to this art is important but your well-being is the most important thing and I think I I use that message through art so for me I usually will journal but sometimes I'm too tired um to to journal and so I will paint in my journal and that is my way of journaling and that is my way of looking after myself you know and as I'm doing that I might watch a movie after I might call my friend on the phone but your well how how you are how you feel what you drink what you think where you go who like all those things are so incredibly important and I mean, I, I'm older now but I was going to say that when I was younger I always said to myself oh you know what when I'm older I'm not going to have any insecurities. I'm, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. And you realize the older you get, those things that you feel, all, the, all those things that you've said to yourself when you're younger, they don't leave you. They don't, they don't vanish when you get older. They, they're still present. The way in which you deal with, with yourself and life is by being a better 
manager of those things by learning how you can skillfully deal with those things. You know, whether it's going to therapy, if you know that you need it, it's by, you know, being more open. If you feel like you need it, it's by, it's by exercising. If you feel like your health is going down the drain, it's by being responsible for yourself. So the message in all of that is be responsible for yourself. Nobody is going to do it. Facts. (laughs) It's so true. And I've definitely discovered that as I've gotten older, you know, that need to be self responsible, um, to take matters into my own hands, especially when my health is concerned, is key because, you know, when you are growing up, you're very much in the duty of care of your caregiver if you have one, your parents. Um, But then once you kind of leave the nest, you know, you can easily fall into really bad habits mm-hmm. just because you're going with the flow. So yeah. there's this real need to be so intentional about well-being. So I absolutely love that message and yeah. just love the wisdom that was just flowing out of you just then. Thank you. Um, so then final question, how do you finesse your wellness? Ooh, how do I finesse my wellness? Mm-hmm. Oh, how do I finesse my wellness? I feel like your wellness personifies. So I, I mean, <laughs> maybe I, you've I, already I, finessed it. <laughs> I hope so. You know what? I would say I finesse my wellness by being present mm-hmm. and making sure that I'm not beating myself up if I make mistakes. I finesse mm-hmm. my wellness by being compassionate mm-hmm. with myself and the things that I want to do every single day. And I, and I finesse my wellness by always looking after my mind, my body and my soul every day, above everything else, above my work, above, you know, family to some level. It's my mind, my body and my soul. Mm, love that. And um, where and how can people connect with you? And find out about the workshops, of course. Yeah, no, sure thing. So I'm on Instagram. My Instagram is Sabina Silver X, and I have links to everything, every literally every single thing that I do on there. So I have my brush and balance page linked. I have some of my um, studio work linked. If people want to have a look at the kind of work I do as well, so yeah, pretty much Sabina Silver X has every single thing. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time, your generosity and your wisdom. Honestly, I think it's going to really inspire so many people. Thank you so much. That's so kind. And thank you so much for having me. I've enjoyed speaking about, you know, wellness and art. And I love the community that you have at Finish Your Wellness. And yeah. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thanks. Bye. Chatting to Sabina is like drinking a glass of cold water when you're desperately thirsty. (laughs) She is so refreshing. Um, So here are my top three takeaways. Number one, your well-being. Like the whole premise of Finesse Wellness is about helping women understand the importance of prioritizing their well-being. And I think the fact that she called that out is very much why this exists. Everything begins and ends with how you are, how well you are, you know, your relationships, your work, um, any single thing you do. If your well-being is on point, then everything else will flourish. So that is a key takeaway. Number two, self-compassion. I liked this idea of art being a space 
not just for expressing yourself, but allowing you to kind of get in tune with the different feelings that you have, maybe even the negative feelings you have and actually giving um, yourself that space to rethink it, flip it, suddenly think about the positives of who you are, what you're doing and using the canvas as a way of just being proud of whatever it is that you produce. Like I mentioned, it isn't really about perfection. It's just about being able to create something that is fundamentally you, your masterpiece and is a reflection of of the best of you, right? Um, And then finally, number three, community. I've said it before and I will say it again. Community is so important. Now, whether you're in London listening to this or somewhere else in the world, it is essential that you find people, places, spaces where you can plug in and just be you. Find love, finding connection, finding an opportunity to be vulnerable because really and truly we were put on this planet to be in community. It is not good for man to be alone. That's Bible. And so it's fundamental that you can find the people that allow you to show up as who you are. So I hope you enjoyed this episode of Finesse Your Wellness brought to you by Flygo Collective, a space for black women and women of color who want to level up their wellness and lifestyle. You can follow Flygo Collective on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or sign up to our mailing list at flygocollective.co for lovely tips, goodies, and invites delivered straight to your inbox. Also, if you loved what you heard, rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening. Catch you on the next episode. <laughs>